Uh, he puts us into partnership. So what is this thing that we went to in Chicago um, this past week? We call it an equip. And um, it's not just a conference. Um, how many of you ever been to a church conference before? Okay, so not, not all of you. Like a church conference, and depending on what background you have, um, that can usually be like some guest speakers, and usually there's like a flyer and a bunch of like the faces of the speakers, and it's like, wow, like the, the big shots are going to be speaking, and man, I want to go hear that person. That's not what we're a part of. We're a part of partnership. We're part of a, a team, connected to a team. And so I just want to explain a little bit of this. We went to what we call an equip. That is a um, national gathering of churches that partner with the NCMI, stands for New Covenant Ministries International, the NCMI team. I'll explain what that is in just a second. So the churches that partner with that team here in America annually gather together to worship to pray together, to, yes, be equipped by members of that team, the, what, what we call Ephesians 4 gifts, we'll explain that in just a second, to be equipped by, through preaching and teaching, but to connect. And so one guy, a close friend of mine, he used to pastor a church in South Africa, he just relocated, amazing story, just relocated into America, North Carolina, uh, and he uh, kind of transitioned the leadership the previous pastor handed over to him. And so this is a newly partnering church. And so a core group of his leaders came with him. All this is brand new. And they came with him. His name is Mark Bailey. And one of them said the most beautiful thing. She came up to, to Mark and said, after a few days, said, Mark, this doesn't feel like a conference. This feels more like a family reunion. Bingo. That's it. We are a family. Really. I mean, I mean, okay, let's not be weird. <laughs> yeah, we're not literally family. Okay. But God has put us together, and there is depth of relationship across this nation. And I'm not talking about like a little spiritual pastoral fellowship. I'm talking about being in each other's lives, talking to each other on the phone, visiting one another, spending time with one another, doing life together, actually, and, and most importantly, all that in the context of partnering together as local churches, to fulfill Christ's commission of making disciples of all nations. That is what this thing is about. And the church needs to be together. We need to be together, and beyond ourselves, we need to be with those that God has partnered us together with. So it's a beautiful picture. One obvious practical thing that one might say is, yeah, but it costs money. It does. It does. The, the call of God is going to have an impact on our pocketbook. It's going to require leaps of faith. Everything that I have done since I've been set on the NCMI team to go translocally into other nations and other countries and, and to help the church, never, ever has it been, ever, because I had the resource to do it. It's been stepping out in faith every time and seeing God come through and provide after I make the decision to do it. Every time. Amen? So... What Nita was saying earlier about, like, in Africa, you know, they travel for miles to, to go to, you know, these events that she's been a part of. There's a cost, and, and for those of us who are hungry and see the value in this thing, uh, we're willing to do it. So this week, there were 390-ish people from all around the world uh, that gathered together under one roof. We had people represented from South Africa, 
Australia, Canada, Haiti, France, and within America, California, Arizona, Colorado, Texas, Kansas, Illinois, Michigan, Columbus, New York, North Carolina, Virginia, and Florida. I'm sure I'm missing nations and states in that, in that list. And, um, and uh, so I just want to share a little bit about what is the NC, like what is, what is an apostolic team? That's what NCMI is. It's an apostolic team. What is that? Uh, what does it look like? And uh, just kind of share a little bit of what happened to me or what I saw this week. And then, like I said, have Mickey and uh, Peter share. Good? So, translocal apostolic team. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to turn there, you can. And if he, uh, it says in verse 7 of that chapter that Christ ascended into heaven. Um, and he gave, he ascended into heaven, right? After he resurrected, he ascended into heaven, but he gave gifts to men. In other words, he left the church behind. And he didn't just leave the church. Uh, he put his Holy Spirit in that church so that he would dwell inside the church uh, after he's left. So he's both exalted in heaven and dwelling in the church, right? And some in that church, he gave gifts uh, to. He, he deposited gifts of himself into every single member of the body of Christ, but some are called as what Ephesians 4.11 says, he gave gifts to men, some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why did he place these gifts in, the, in, in those particular individuals? So that they could be elevated amongst you common folk. That was a joke. These people are not elevated. In fact, they're gifts to the church. Last time I checked, when you receive a gift, it's for you, right? The, you're not for the gift. The gift is for you. So these five gifts are given to serve the body of Christ. And why do they, what do they specifically do? They gave uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Who is the saints? There you go. Exactly. Um, I love that. You and I are former Catholics, so we grew up knowing saints are people who are proven to have never sinned in their lives. But biblically speaking, with all due respect, not downing Catholics, just saying, biblically speaking, the saints clearly refers to believers. Why are these gifts given? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Who does the work of the ministry then? Everybody. I thought it was the paid pastoral staff who did the ministry, and we're the sheep, and we get fed by the shepherd, and we are led. No, no, no. To equip the saints for the works of the ministry. Every believer is therefore called into the ministry, maybe not vocationally, but nevertheless full-time, right? To be in the presence of God and to yield to his purpose with our entire beings and our entire selves and to do his ministry. So to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, um, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to help with, what's the next word? And for the building up of the body of Christ. There we go. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to, the, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. So it's equipping. Why are the fivefold gifts given? To equip who? Us to do the work of the ministry and to mature us. And not just to mature 
but specifically mature us into the image of the Son of God. The purpose of the church is to do Christ's works, ministry, and to reveal the image of Christ and be what we are, the body of Christ. A fundamental way that that happens is through the gifts that God deposited in, it deposits into a po- people called as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're not elevated, but they have got a role to equip and to get us where we're our, to our destination. Amen? Right? Make sense? So what is the translocal team? If you look at the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, uh, you begin to see a pattern emerge. And that pattern emerges that, first of all, that believers need to be a part of a local church. He goes into various cities, he preaches the gospel, and it doesn't just preach the gospel and people believe and they respond to Jesus and go on their own way. No, they begin to form a community called the church. So first of all, pattern for the church is that we all need to be in a church, a part of a local body. The second thing is that we begin to see that that church is made up of believers, needs to have God-ordained, appointed human leadership called elders. And there is no other New Testament function to lead the local church other than elders. You see three aspects of eldership in the New Testament. You've got um, presbyteros, the Greek word that literally means elder, which means a more mature one. So who are the elders in the church? They should be the more spiritually mature ones from amongst the flock. Episkopos, another word referred to interchangeably with that same word, which literally translated means overseer. So we need more mature ones. We need people who are going to oversee the local church. And thirdly is poimain, pastor, shepherd. Acts chapter 20, elders are told to pastor or shepherd the the flock of God. They need to lead. Everybody follow? Churches are made up of, everybody needs to be in a church. It's made up of believers. There needs to be human, God-ordained leadership that lead that flock. And those elders need to be appointed every single time you see elders ordained in the New Testament it is always done by somebody coming in from an apostolic team from the outside into the church elders do not ordain elders why is that important because number one somebody needs to have an objective lens that is not motivated by any local politics all that who can come in and say objectively this person has been ordained of God to be a part of the team that leads this local church right and there somebody needs to also take an account for that person whoever when an apostolic figure or translocal figure comes in to ordain an elder they become an accountable for that for that elder and that's safety for the flock am I making sense church leaders love this stuff Uh, You don't normally talk about this stuff on a Sunday morning, but I just want to give context. And so when you see Paul in the book of Acts, he goes, he preaches. If you look, Acts chapter 14, he preaches to this city, then to this city, then to this city, then to this city, then this city. And he gets to, I think it's Derbe, is that how you say it? Um, And he preaches the gospel, but then he goes back to that city, all the cities, like a boomerang. He goes to these cities, and then he go, reverses and goes back to all of them. The, on his first trip, he, or first kind of thing, he, he preaches the gospel and sees people get saved, but then when he goes back, it says, in fact, I'll read it to you in Acts chapter 14. Listen to this. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, 
So they didn't just preach the gospel in that last city. They also made disciples. They stayed with them to teach them and to help them to mature. They made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, the cities that they had gone to before, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed, and so when they had appointed elders in every church, So, in other words, when Paul was planting churches, he could not release that church. Couldn't just leave it until there were those that could be appointed to lead the flock locally from within the flock. Is that making sense? Every church needs to have God-ordained, appointed leaders. They're not perfect. They're humans just like the rest. But God appoints some to lead that local flock, and it's elders. That's who leads the church, and those elders need to be connected, and that church— needs to be connected to something bigger than itself. Do you need to be connected to something bigger than yourself? All of us do. It's called the local church, and the local church as a whole needs to be connected to something bigger than itself, and that's called an apostolic team. And that apostolic team made up of five-fold gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, partnered together. What you see in Paul's ministry, as he plants these churches, certain gifts emerge in those churches, people with gifts, You've got Epaphroditus who emerges, Timothy, Titus, Priscilla and Aquila. All these different gifts emerge, and they form a team. And Paul sends Timothy over to Ephesus, Titus over to Crete, Epaphroditus over to Philippi, etc., etc. They're partnering together to equip the church, and that's what you and I are partnered together with. It's a team called—our team is called NCMI. There are many such teams in the earth. Do we have it all together? No. Do we, are we the, the one true church? No. Is Jesus ordaining what we're doing? Yes. Is Jesus in what we're doing? Absolutely. Not because we got all the doctrine right and perfect and everything, uh, if nothing else, because our hearts are sincerely desiring Jesus and God is doing something in our midst. If you weren't in Chicago this week, you can't, you don't know, but we were, and I can assure you, God is doing something amazing in our in our ranks. And hopefully these two can kind of reiterate some of that. But I just want to give kind of a big picture of what it is that we're a part of um, in the bigger picture, and to say this, that we as a church, what does this mean? We partner with this apostolic team. So how do we partner as a local church with the apostolic team? Number one is we have some of these on the team come in to help us. So now, perhaps, some of us see Terry Kruger, who came a few weeks ago, in a different context. This is not just a guest preacher. This is somebody who stands with us, who prays for us, who has his church spend time praying for us, and who has something of of a gift from God to give and to impart and perspective to give and to come here and invest of himself, of his own expense— We don't pay for his tickets or anything like that. He came of his own expense. We tried to bless him as best we could. You know, I'd like to bless him more. But anyway, he came of his own expense to spend time with us. So that Saturday morning thing at Mickey's, that's not just like a special event we're doing. That is time to partner with something bigger than ourselves so that he can know us and we can receive from him. You follow? That's one thing. We have these gifts come in. And can I say also that Minda and I serving on the team, Rodney and Nita serving on that apostolic team, are also asked by churches to come in and to help them in their journey. 
And so for you to see that for what it is, it's not just us going and building our Paul's ministry career and, you know, developing his translocal expression in other churches. No, this is serving the body of Christ. And even you releasing us in faith to do that, you get to play a role. Some of you need to come with us in the future to help other churches. That's one way that we partner. A second thing is these annual equips. And so I want to say we're going to have another equip next year in the USA, um, in Chicago again. And uh, I would I would want to ask you, please consider, prayerfully consider saving up, making space, or just leaping in faith, whatever it may be, to be there. Uh, because it's like, it is, it is critical to us doing what we do here in the local to, to, to be a part of that. So we gather together in these regional or national times in annual equips where we have a family reunion and we worship together and we receive input from the gifts and we pray together and make strategic connections. And then thirdly and lastly is um, we, uh, we help resource one another. So how many of you remember at the beginning of this year, there were every week it was like somebody else coming to help lead worship for us from Chicago. Remember that? That's partnership. That's people, that's another church loving this church and trying to strengthen this church so that we can get on with what God's called us to do. Um, or uh, Mickey this past week. Mickey uh, uh, kind of yielded himself to serve wherever needed to be served this week. And it was such a blessing. Steve Sudworth, who leads the church, got up on the last night and wanted to appreciate him by name. And I heard from some of the other serving team, they could not have done what they did this week without that man's service. He's got a gift of serving. Many of you know. That's us taking a gift in our church and using it for the corporate good. All of you have gifts. All of you have gifts to, do, to help build this and also in the context of helping to build other churches that we're partnered with. And your gifts are going to be coming to use if you yield yourself to the, to the king. Um, and that's exciting. And uh, it's all about making disciples of all nations. Some, some of us in this room... This church, in the call of God, will plant other churches. How is that going to happen? There needs to be some from the local who go help and, uh, and maybe even relocate your lives, just like we have, to Detroit, from South Africa, and before that, from Georgia, uh, to extend the gospel into a new place. Um, some of you are going to be called to do the same in some capacity. Um, don't be afraid. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, I don't want like, if, it, if God's in it, you're going to love it, and it's going to be all about Jesus. So just real quick, and then I'm going to, again, I'm going to pass it over to these strapping young men. Um, just to give you a, a bit of feedback, so Tuesday, um, that was uh, the, so the way, the way it went this, this week is Tuesday we gathered together as the members of the translocal team, the I need to be consistent here uh, because we call ourselves a translocal team, an apostolic team, NCMI team. It's all the same thing. So the team gets together on Tuesday and spends time with the guy that leads the team, Ty Tyron Daniel. And um, so that was amazing. Great input. Great time together. Had some sessions together. Coffees in between. Connecting. Oh my gosh. So strengthening and encouraging for me and Minda just to be with our closest, dearest friends and um, Encourage, encouraging them and being encouraged. And Tyron, just uh, who leads the team, helping to just speaking into us healthy foundations, keeping our focus on Jesus. 
Wonderful. The next day on Wednesday, we had a pastor's day. So it was the team and any of the elders or pastors that lead the churches that partner with us in the U.S. were all invited to come through. So it was, you know, maybe about four times the size and uh, just more of the same, just kind of a bigger group. And um, absolutely fantastic. At the end of the Tuesday, going back, the first day, uh, we were going to spend time, as we always do, as a team, praying over the rest of the week. And Tyron, in that moment, just felt, you know what, I feel to, and he asked me and Minda to come up, and another couple, and another couple, and just to come up, and uh, just ask the team to get around us and pray. And I so appreciated that he wasn't just going with this plan, that he was being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in the moment. And uh, Minda and I were both prayed for, and it was just, have you ever had those moments where, like, you receive something and you didn't realize how badly you needed it until you receive it? It was, uh, we just were in the core of our being, just as people prayed over us, shared prophetically over us, spoke over us, stood next to us. It was just so helpful. I'm so appreciative of partnership in the body of Christ and just God's pattern for the church of relationship and love and being together and having family like that and God being in the midst of it. Um, so that was Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday, just real quick, Marcus Herbert, a guy, amazing guy uh, who leads a large church that's planted 40 churches out of that church over the past 40 years, uh, not to put a notch on his belt, but it's just, you know, something that God's done through them. Great guy. Just spoke on uh, this COVID season being an opportunity uh, to have reset the church, um, kind of like caused us to hit stop on everything and reset and get back to our foundations and uh, to really truly get back to being a part of the church that Jesus is building, which is a church that the gates of hell can't overcome, according to Matthew 16. Great input. And then that night, Chanel Rousseau, some of you know her, very prophetic gift from South Africa, has meant so much to, in, to us, got up and uh, she preached a word. I mean, I don't even know if it was a word. It was like an encounter with God, 400 people in the room, and she just began to preach about the return of Christ and, and pre being prepared for his return and preparing the, the bride of Christ and that we need the Holy Spirit to do what we're called to do. And there was a, uh, a moment that followed that that was, it was like we, I don't know if we were still in the room or if we went over into another spiritual dom domain. It was like just repentance people falling to their knees, worshiping, and just such a hunger to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. It was such a pure and holy moment. Um, and uh, so that was Thursday night, and then Friday, some of you know James Lusk, who's been here. He planted a church in New York, and on the way to New York, they stopped here uh, for a few weeks a couple of years ago, right before COVID, and he got up, and I mean, he probably preached the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. It was the, the, the I mean, the content, the delivery, the everything was absolutely amazing, but it was all about, similar to what he preached here a few years ago, Christ being fundamental, not ornamental. And I'm not even, you, you can go online and find all these messages. It was amazing. But then that night, uh, we ended it with, Steve Sudworth shared a, a word out of Revelations 5, just the worship of Jesus, and we ended with another holy, holy, holy moment of worshiping Jesus after having looked at Jesus in the book of Revelations, and um, so much so that miracle of miracles, Tyron was 
almost too overwhelmed to shut the meeting down. I've never seen Kyron. You know, he's always like kind of strong and got it together and he was trying to tell us about the equip next year and he could barely even get it out. It was just like, you know, but this is, this is what it's all about is just the absolute adoration and focus on Jesus. So having said that, I've probably extended my time too much. Mickey, do you want to come up and just kind of share from your heart what happened from your perspective and then we'll have Peter come up. Yeah, it was everything he said and twice that. Uh, I've been to several equips around the country and in Canada and uh, in the past what I personally experienced was observation of other people. The faith that these people, the first one one of the first ones in Los Angeles, I literally had to leave the building because I was overwhelmed by the, 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 um, the l amount of faith each person had that l they let the Holy Spirit f lead them anywhere in the world, and it was overwhelming. And this year was completely different for me. Um, I am not going to get emotional. I am Go not going to get emotional. Be emotional. Um, mentioned I got to serve and help the church there which was really gratifying but in the meetings hearing people talk for me there I mean there was lots of people there was 10 people that talked more than that and uh, for me I heard the exact same thing from every person directed to me and um, the Holy Spirit has been working in me um, showing me things, telling me to learn to listen to his voice because he's going to tell me to go. Yeah. This past week, he told me to go, which means for me is to step out. Now, what was really interesting, as I heard that, I remembered something three years ago in L.A., and I can't remember her name, Christine. Uh, Christine Nakoto? Yeah, Christine was speaking and she I'm a visual person I'm an artist so I'm a visual person I I retain things visually faster than I do verbally so um, sorry um, so she did something she held her hand out and was talking about us stepping out in faith I'm gonna put my wait, I'll do it. I can do this I can do this and so she she held her hand out and she was walking she was talking about people walking in faith and what happens when you don't see the road, you don't hear God, you take that step, and he provides, the, he provides the path, and you keep going. So that stuck with me, and as soon as I was hearing what I, from the speakers, it all came back to me. God was telling me to step out, step out in faith. People were talking about being strong and courageous and how many times we heard that in the Bible. We hear it in the Bible, and it's, it's not saying be strong and courageous and good luck, guys, whatever you do. He says that he's with us. And all this was speaking to me, completely speaking to me. And I have to tell you that um, I, I, this is going to sound cliche. I feel like a totally different person. I see things differently right now. I'm praying that none of what I'm feeling right now goes away but grows. Mm. Um, I want my life to be what he wants me to be and i'm going to start stepping out he's showing me he's shown me things uh his thoughts 
I think I've shared this with a lot of you. He's shown me things. I've experienced miracles. I've experienced things that he's shown me. And to be truthful, I kind of stepped back. It kind of, I felt unworthy. But this week, through all the things that I heard, it's not me. It's him. Yes. It just wants me. He wants to work through me. It's him. All I have to do is step out, and he will provide everything. Will it always be perfect? Nope. Will we have computation? Yep. But that's okay because yeah. he's with us, and we're, we're doing exactly what he wants to do. When I say we, I mean me. Um, it was, it was life-changing. I, I still am overwhelmed. Every, every evening when I got home, all I could do is sit on my bed and just think of all the things and look at my notes and, and, and um, just receive again what, what I just I heard. I, I'm, I was flabbergasted. I was overwhelmed. I was happy. I was nervous. I was, I am now expectant. That's the difference. I, I'm expecting God to use me. Yeah. He's shown me things. He wouldn't have shown me those things if he didn't want to work through me. So how, who am I to say, no, don't work through me? I want him to work through me now. Yeah. It's a totally different mentality. These meetings are not just gatherings. Now, I have to admit, I've been to, as I said, I've been to three or four of them. It is like a family reunion. It's like you've seen people, and it's like, oh my gosh, are you it's, it's incredible. It is incredible. It's uplifting. People have word for you. They, people that you don't know come up to you and just and talk. And I went, one afternoon, I, I was serving, and everyone had gone to lunch, and I had to do things. And so um, I didn't get lunch. So I snuck out when the service, when this meeting started again, and just down the street there was a, a taco place, and I went. And there were, there were people there from uh, Georgia and Wisconsin, and so I sat with them and we talked, and it was just, it was literally like they were my brothers and sisters. Yeah. They are, but I'm just, it was like best friends. And so it, it was really cool. Things happened there that I want happen here in Detroit. And yeah. it's, it's things like, um, I was standing, and uh, there's a gentleman standing next to me. We started talking, and uh, we remembered that we had introduced ourselves to each other last November. And uh, he started sharing something about his family and problems in his family. And um, I could relate to those problems, so I asked for his brother's name and talked to him about it. And uh, we gave each other our, our, our information and we're going to communicate and we're going to um, pray with each other and I'm going to pray for his brother. It's just, it's just what I want my life to be here and to see people um, come to the Lord. And it's just, it, you just, I felt so <laughs> equipped. I know that sounds weird, but um, I just feel that I've been given um, a pass, a pass to keep walking, to, to, to forget all, all the garbage around me and just focus on him. And that's another thing that I, I learned was that and he, you mentioned it. Jesus isn't ornamental, he's functional. And there are people that fundamental. church, fundamental, excuse me, fundamental. And I don't want to get into it, but fundamental is that he, fundamental, I can't say that word. He, uh, 
he's in every aspect of our lives. When he said that, this church, this moment came to me, and it was like, I come in here focused on set up. I come in here focused. It's wrong. I should come in here and just ask the Holy Spirit to be with me, to be sensitive to him and right. let him lead me as I'm setting up, when I'm, fo- when I'm greeting people at the door. So it's, it's, just, it's just a totally different focus. He's fundamentally me, and I, and I, it, I just want to be, become less than him to become more. And it's just, it's, it, it was an incre- incredible week, a week that um, I'm not going to let it's, it's going to keep growing.